This is 15-Minute Fundamentals, where we interview core contributors within crypto and gain insights into their day-to-day operations. In this episode, I'm joined by Wouter from MakerDAO's Sustainable Ecosystem Scaling Core Unit that pursues the mission to sustainably grow the Maker Protocol's moats by removing barriers between decentralized workforce, capital, and work. In this episode with Wouter, we cover the basics of MakerDAO, how it's structured as an on-chain organization, and the current state of its operations, after which we dive into the details behind Maker's expense dashboard. We discuss the purpose of the dashboard, the roles of different core units, the different levels of expense reporting, how budgets are determined, plans for the future, and more. Hello, Walter. Welcome to 15 Minute Fundamentals. It is great to have you on. Yeah, thank you for having me. Great to be here. Awesome. Uh, excited to dive into MakerDAO today and especially your expense dashboard. But just before we dive into that, it would be great if you can give a quick introduction to Maker and the DAI stablecoin. Yes, definitely. I think many people might already be familiar with Maker because it's one of the first projects in the ecosystem or in the industry. So the project is back from 2014, even before ETH was officially launched. The um, idea from the beginning was always to create a decentralized stablecoin one that is neutral, accessible for everyone and unstoppable. And this uh, is how the, the project developed. So back in 2017, I believe the very first version of the protocol was launched, which was called Single Collateral DAI. This was quite successful in using ETH as collateral for the very first time on chain to create a uh, decentralized uh, stablecoin, the DAI token which was pegged to the US dollar. This actually was just a beta version. So quickly after that, the team started building the next version of the protocol, multi-collateral die, which is the one that is in production today. And um, that one was released, I believe, in 2019. And since then, the DAI stablecoin has seen quite a bit of success, I think. So um, today we have almost uh, 6 billion in circulation. And yeah, the, the project is, is one of the first DeFi projects as well in the space that then later made DeFi popular. So um, between 2019 and today, a lot of uh, exciting things happened at MakerDAO. Originally, the project was structured with a traditional foundation, the same way that many projects today are still structured. But it has always been the intention to make MakerDAO really decentralized. And that's uh, another point where the project, uh, I think, is one of the first to dissolve its foundation in, in 2021, I believe, to then create a real DAO, so a decentralized organization governed on-chain by the MKR token holders. And uh, yeah, that uh, that is a project today, still going strong on, on the, the DAI stablecoin and running now in a, in a truly decentralized organization. Thank you for the comprehensive overview there. And now you represent a core unit at MakerDAO called SES, so Sustainable Ecosystem Scaling. Uh, can you just briefly walk us through what that is? Yes, and before I do that, maybe I can make the connection what, what a core unit is in the first place, because this is maybe not entirely clear for people. Core units really didn't exist until two years ago when um, the organization went through this transformation from a foundation that was responsible for the development and uh, the success of the protocol to a real decentralized organization. And since then, we've been working uh, with a number of uh, teams that uh, are part of the decentralized organization, and these teams are called the core units. And you're right, so my core unit is called the Sustainable Ecosystem Scaling Core Unit, or SES for short. And what we have been doing is mostly 
um, supporting the maker ecosystem, so the other core units in this decentralized organization with operational support. So I can go a little bit more into detail exactly how we organize that, but we, we have helped multiple core units to be onboarded in the DAO and have uh, offered some advice on how they could organize in this decentralized organization, which was a very new concept at the time. Got it. That's great. And I think that once we start uh, walking through your expense dashboard, we might speak a bit more about some some other core units as well. So if we move on to the dashboard now, I wanted to have the session around this topic because you've definitely been a forerunner in the transparent presentation of both your income supply, but also the expense side of everything that's going on the DAO, which is amazing. And I know the interface of your expense dashboard has also developed quite a lot, so people can really get a good picture of what's going on. Before we go into the details there, could you give some context to what made you build the expense dashboard and its associated APIs in the first place? Yes, absolutely. So as I mentioned in 2021, MakerDAO was one of the first organizations that dissolved this foundation and really became a decentralized autonomous organization with on-chain governance and everything uh, run on chain by the community. This was an experiment that still was very new. And uh, as a result, there was a lot that we still needed to figure out. So there's now two years down the road, a number of lessons that we've learned from the beginning on how things can be improved on the original setup. And this is really where the expenses dashboard came from, because there's a number of things that we found, which I'll just briefly mention them. So for example, the core unit model we found was really lacking in the sense that it wasn't result-oriented enough. It's great to have a framework to fund teams, but you need to give clear direction to those teams and make sure that the work that they're doing is very focused on delivering results. And so this is one of the lessons that we've learned is that project workflow needs to be added into the mix of a decentralized organization to be successful. And then the other thing we learned about transparency, MakerDAO has been very transparent from the very beginning. All the discussions, all the governance proposals, everything is on the MakerDAO forum. But we found that transparency alone is not enough because there is such an overload of information that people just can't find the information, even the simplest thing they're looking for. And this has been the case, uh, especially with the core units and the operational expenses that they are making, is that the core units have done with a lot of effort from the beginning to be transparent. But uh, all this information was unstructured, found in status updates and other posts on the forum. And if as an outsider, for example, you wanted to dig into that and get an overview, that was extremely hard to do. And this is the reason why we started building the expenses dashboard, because as I said, transparency alone is not enough. You actually need to have the data in a structured format and you need to provide the right summaries to the right audiences. And this is what we're trying to do with the financial expenses data for um, the core units. Exactly. That's great. And we're very aligned on uh, those missions, I think, with both what you are doing and then us at Token Terminal. It's, it's transparency, but then also the clarity. And you cannot neglect the clarity of everything that you aggregate in these dashboards. But uh, let's get into it. So how is Maker at the moment structured as an on-chain organization? Yes, we're having this uh, conversation at an interesting time because Maker is actually going through uh, transformation. The structure that I will be showing today on the expenses dashboard is as it has existed uh, until today, which is really what we talked about. It's a number of core units that make up the decentralized organization 
which is governed by its MTR holders, its token holders. As we are going through the new transition now, and this is something that was recently voted in by the MTR token holders called the endgame plan, this structure will change and I will also talk a little bit about how the expenses dashboard can assist in that transition. So until today, Maker has been structured pretty much in, I think, the standard way that many DAOs are structured. So there is the governance layer on top, which is based on the Maker Improvement Proposals, or MIPS for short. So these are proposals that anyone really can bring forward on the forum, the Maker Forum. And these proposals, they go through two phases. One is the quest for comments phase, and then the second phase is that the proposal is put up for a vote. And this you don't find on the expenses dashboard because there was, from the beginning, um, a very good voting portal for the MakerDAO community to find these uh, proposals as they are put up for the vote. Um, many MTR holders, they are not directly involved with Maker governance because Maker is quite a complicated organization and you need a lot of expertise and um, a lot of time mostly to follow up on all the discussions. So that's why Maker also has a delegation system which allows MTR holders to delegate their MTR voting tokens to the delegate of their choice. So that is, that is the governance layer. One layer be below that, we do have the core units that are I mentioned and um, they are really part of the operational layer of the MakerDAO. If we look at the core unit list on the expenses dashboard, we can see that there are about 20 core units that are in the list today. And uh, yeah, we can talk more about their different responsibilities and uh, what they will do. But um, in a nutshell, that is the, the structure of MakerDAO. We have the MTR token holders with the MIPS proposals that are put up for vote. Voting is done by the MTR holders and the delegates. And then that is the process through which the core units are ratified and um, received their responsibilities for uh, the operational part of the DAO. Got it. That is very clear. Thank you. And now that we're looking at these core units here, it would be great to get a bit of a more granular breakdown of what some of them do. And I know there are quite a few, so we don't we don't need to speak of the details on each and every one. But maybe if you're able to select like the most significant core units and give us some insight into what they do. Yes, I think I'll just give a few examples. And there are some expected uh, teams, I think, that people will immediately recognize and maybe also some, more, some less uh, obvious ones. So um, the first one, that people immediately think about is, of course, the, the work that needs to be done around smart contract development, putting up new votes and making sure that on-chain votes result in changes in the protocol. And this is the uh, protocol engineering core unit that really looks into yeah, the smart contract development and the safety of the protocol. Um, the second one here on the list is the risk core unit, which for a protocol like Maker is an extremely important role. Maker is uh, structured as a protocol with collateral that is backing stablecoin DAI. And in order to keep that safe, there needs to be a clear uh, risk analysis and proper risk analysis on all these types of collaterals. And there are many risk parameters that are set by the maker community that regulate the maker protocol. And it is the responsibility of the risk core unit to do the risk analyses and put those suggestions up for the maker community to vote on. The next one that we see here is the growth core unit, which um, I think, as the name suggests, is responsible for creating partnerships and making sure that all the work is done to continue the maker protocol's growth. 
so I think that that one is uh, also one of the expected ones that you would see in the list. Another one is the Oracle score unit. So this is one of the things in which Maker is unique. Uh, when Maker was just starting out, it was really pioneering the space, and many of the things that are available today in the in the market needed to be pioneered by Maker, and Oracles are one of those. So instead of using an external uh, Oracle solution, Maker actually has a core unit which is responsible for its own Oracle's infrastructure that it uses. Of course, uh, I mentioned already my own core unit, the Sustainable Ecosystem Scaling Core Unit. As I mentioned, we um, help core units, uh, offering them operational support and also run an incubation program in the past, which uh, onboarded a number of these core units into the DAO, which was a very new structure as a decentralized organization. There are other core units that are, for example, responsible for the governance uh, interface, the user interface. This is the development and UX core unit. And then we have supporting core units, such as the Tech Ops core unit and uh, yeah maybe last but not least the one that i should mention very critical core unit is the governance alpha core unit uh, which is offering all the support that is needed to maintain the governance process for mkr token holders so to ensure that the maker improvement proposals that are put on the forum that they are properly promoted into real votes that happen on chain and that then the the decisions that are made by maker token holders that they are then also applied in the governance process. So yeah, I hope this gives an idea of the kind of responsibilities that these core units have. Got it. It, it does really good. And now if we're looking at this view, we see green, red, and uh, orange bars there as well. Uh, I'm assuming that has to do with budget expenditure. H how are the core unit budgets determined? I already mentioned the maker improvement proposals that can be put up on the uh, governance forum and the way that these maker improvement proposals are structured is that there are a number of templates that you can use some of these templates have to do with the core units so if you want to propose a new core unit there are basically three maker improvement proposals that you need to post one is the number 39 which would propose a new core unit and define its um, its responsibilities its mandate so that is the first one mandate the second one is what you were asking about is the core unit budget and the core unit budget is expressed in a number of budget categories that we will go to in a moment. So as you are putting up a proposal for a new core unit or you are renewing a budget for an existing core unit, you will put up on the forum what is called a MIP40. And in that MIP40, you will request a certain budget cap from maker governance. And yeah, this is really the way that the core unit budgets are controlled. So they are put up as a proposal and then NKR token holders, they vote on that and they approve or don't approve those budgets. And this view right here, is it showing that how much of the current allocated budget is used up? Yes, that's right. So if you look at the little graph here, this basically gives an at-a-glance view of the expenses of that core unit in the last uh, couple of months. So you see the total and then you see also the bar that is indicating the expenditure compared to the budget cap that was approved by maker governance. And this is also what the colors show. So for example, you can see here that the protocol engineering for unit in December, uh, what their budget cap was, and then you can see how much they are actually spending. And of course, if you are fulfilling your mandate as a core unit, one would expect that a large part of the budget is indeed spent on what your responsibilities are. And uh, so in this case, we see that the budget cap is spent on average 
82% over the last three months, which is a healthy spending level for the core units. Got it. And when these budgets are set, how far into the future are they set at a time? Do you have a standard for, is it a monthly, quarterly, yearly cadence, or is it case by case? Typically, the standard is to submit a MIP40 that covers the budget for a single year. You can also make a shorter one. For example, if you are not creating a completely new core unit, but you are actually doing a specific project, and this is the one that will be used more and more in the future, then you can actually request a budget for a specific project, a specific scope that may be a lot shorter than a year. Budgets longer than a year are typically not uh, not approved. Got it. Now, I'd be interested in hearing how have core unit headcounts and expenses evolved historically at Maker? Yeah, that is an interesting question. One of the things that we found when Maker transitioned from a centralized organization to um, the decentralized organization, the DAO, is that it becomes a lot harder to think about the full-time equivalents of the, the team because people are individual contributors, they are working for these core units. They may be working as contractors, they may be working in other capacities, they may work representing a company, they may work on their own behalf. So it's really very difficult to define in a structure like that what an FTE really means. Uh, so we are following this rule of thumb where um, there is a specific budget category uh, which is called compensation and benefits, which covers basically the pay of those people that are counted towards the FTEs. This it's a specific definition and it's important to be aware of it because many core units they might work with external suppliers who in their turn employ additional FTEs but uh, those are not counted uh, towards the numbers that you will find on the dashboard. Now you asked how this number evolved and the amazing thing is that it's actually quite constant. So we found that typically over the course of MakerDAO the number of FTEs has varied around 100. In the beginning when the foundation was dissolving and the decentralized organization was still booting up, of course, that number was quite a bit lower, but um, it climbed up to about the same number that um, it was before, which is uh, around 100 FTEs. That makes sense. And you mentioned the different budget categories, one being compensation and benefits. Uh, do you want to walk through all the other ones? Yes, maybe we can have a look at my own core unit to sustainable ecosystem scaling core unit here. So what you will find on the expenses dashboard is that the core units, they do their budget reporting on a monthly basis. And I'll walk a little bit through the structure because these expense categories that we were talking about, they are at the lowest level of the expense reporting. So at the highest level, we have these monthly reports. And this was really the big effort that we started with to improve transparency is to standardize this way of reporting and work with the, the different core units uh, to make sure that their expenses were reported on the same basis and in the same format month after month. And the way that that is done is that the core unit would both report on the actuals as well as the forecast that they see they would need in the in the coming three months and then there are other things such as uh, the mkr token vesting and uh, the transfer requests which have to do with the auditor cycle that we will get into it's possible for core units to split up their budget so even if they receive their budget from maker governance they can still report on it as uh, several several sub budgets and for example the sustainable ecosystem scaling core unit has done that since the beginning as we have a permanent team that is working for SES but we also had an incubation program and a grants program and it's important to keep those things separate so that's 
why we have a budget structure like that. Other communities likewise could have different budget categories that uh, that they report on. Within each one of these categories, for example, the uh, SES permanent team budget, you have the, the expense categories that we were talking about. And these are separated among two different uh, headers. One is the headcount expenses header and the other one is the non-headcount expenses header. This is important for what we talked about, the FTEs, which apply only to the compensation and benefits category that you see here. And you see other categories such, such as travel and entertainment, um, but external software development expenses, for example, are separate. We have administration expenses, professional services, expenses for software licenses and such, and then also uh, typical crypto things like the gas expenses that are needed to send transactions and also, for example, marketing expenses. And these are about the most important expense categories that we're currently keeping track of. What we do plan to do in the future is to also start keeping track of the budgets within compensation and benefits based on the professional area that they apply to. So for example, smart contract development or finance administration or other professional areas, they would be reported on separately. This is great. A very granular overview of everything that is being spent on inside a core unit. I love it. Now, there were other tabs as well under this expense report. Do you want to walk through any of those? Yes, yeah, so, so far we've been looking at the actuals, which are the reported expenses of that particular month, in this case January. The second tab is the forecast, and this is really important for core units to plan their own internal financials, especially if there is a lot of variation. And of course, this will depend on the type of core unit. Some core units, they just uh, have the same costs every month. They, for example, just pay their permanent contributors, and this number is practically always the same. Uh, but others have much more variable expenses. And for those core units in particular, it's important to look ahead and make sure that for the coming months, you're not exceeding your uh, your budget cap. And as you can see here, for example, we added the forecast for the sustainable ecosystem scaling core unit for the months February, March, and April. And then that is put next to the monthly budget that we have available and compared to the, the total three-month expense and then also the quarterly budget. So this is really to make sure that the runway of the core units is in place so that they can continue operating without issues. And uh, of course, that they also do not exceed the budget cap that uh, that they have been allocated by maker governance. Then um, if I uh, go to the next tab, this is the MKR vesting tab, which um, has to do with the MKR bonuses of uh, the core units. Of course, this is an important part of being a part of a DAO is that you have this shared sense of ownership. And typically this happens through token vesting of the token of the protocol, in this case, MKR. And uh, so this is where we can see an overview of the expected vesting dates of the core unit and the MKR amounts that uh, the core unit would receive. And and what, what is an auditor cycle? You mentioned a few questions earlier. Yeah, so this is an important one or an interesting one to, um, to talk about briefly. I talked about the lessons learned that we stumbled upon as we started this experiment a number of years ago. So far, we've mostly been looking at the aspects of financial reporting and transparency. But what we also found is that it's important to have more formal quality control and uh, auditing processes in place to ensure that also in a decentralized environment where things can sometimes be a little chaotic, that we still have a lot of accountability and that core units, for example, that they actually do their monthly finance reporting systematic basis and it's done properly. And so this is the reason why we introduced the uh, auditor cycle for core unit budgets. And the way that it goes is that a core unit 
has in an operational wallet, which is separate from the budget that they would receive from the protocol as it is streamed on a monthly basis. So they never receive the budget in, in one go. The budget is always streamed linearly over the time that uh, the MIP40 applies to, so for example, one year. But the core units, they don't receive this budget directly. What they have is a separate uh, operational wallet, which holds uh, a, a runway of typically three months for operational expenses of that core unit. And that means that this operational wallet needs to be topped up from time to time. And this is where the auditing cycle comes in. So the core unit would do their monthly reporting. They would send their monthly reports to the auditor. The auditor may have some questions, but then uh, as the expense report, the monthly expense report is approved, that's the, the moment when the operational wallet of that core unit is topped up to basically replenish their operational runway with three, uh, for three months. Yeah, this you can also find here. For example, you can see that the January budget here of uh, SES is a final report, and you can see the transfer requests, so the top-up that was requested um, to replenish that three-month runway. You can just see, for example, here for the permanent team that we use the forecast number in January, that was for February, March, and April, to specify that three-month runway that we're targeting. And one of the important things is that we always link this information as much as possible with the source. So the um, the information icon is here that gives you direct access to the MIP40, the maker governance proposal that actually defined that budget. And so everyone can see that everything is in order, it all adds up. And then we see that the January, end of January, the balance was uh, 238,000 and a target balance of 570, which uh, gives us a transfer request for that operational wallet to replenish the uh, operational runway. And so this is how MakerDAO holds its core units accountable, uh, ensuring that they do proper transparency reporting uh, that is tied in with the top of their operational wallets. That's great. I love everything about this. And I mean, there is such detailed information about everything and the way you clearly present it is great. And the beauty of open finance is that anyone can go check it out on your expensive data to like dive even deeper. So uh, this has been a really good overview. Uh, what I'm very keen on hearing as you are in the middle of a bit of a chaotic transition period at Maker is what is next for MakerDAO? Yes, and that is a, it's a complicated story, but I'll try to keep it as simple as possible. Uh, so the Maker Governance community, they have approved what is known as the end game plan for Maker, which really is a, a transition that tries to build on the lessons learned from those first two years of running a decentralized organization and learning the, the good things that were in place, but also the things that can be improved. And definitely for operations, this will mean a number of changes. So one thing is that we will or the maker community, I should say, decided to separate governance and you could say politics better from operations, because that was one of the things that, that came up is that the politics of a DAO, of the maker DAO, uh, they would influence operations and make it sometimes difficult for core units to uh, work in a serene sphere. And so what is today the system that I explained with the maker improvement proposals and delegates will be replaced by 
a construct that is called voter committees. And these voter committees, they are basically where the new delegate role will meet their electorate, if you like, of MKR token holders. And it will be very separate from the operational uh, structure of MakerDAO. The operational structure then uh, will be better clarified as to what the scope is of the MakerDAO protocol and its business. So there will be a number of uh, what is called scope frameworks that will determine in different areas, such as, for example, collateral management, smart contract security, but also, for example, governance. These different areas, they will get different working committees that will basically lead the operations. And yeah, that is important so that they are shielded better from all the chaos and the drama that sometimes happens on the governance level. So what it means for the expenses dashboard is that um, we will continue to add features and make it as easy as possible for people to understand this transition that Maker is going through. Uh, one thing that we will focus on is to go beyond finances and expenses. The sustainable ecosystem scaling unit always started with this idea of uh, removing barriers between decentralized workforce capital and work. Financial transparency was the first part we looked at, uh, but the next one that we will be tackling is um, the project-based workflow and really make it more clear for people what the work is that is being done within the DAO what the roadmap is, what the different teams are working on, and um, what the deliverables are that they then ultimately deliver to the DAO. And then the last part is that, as you can imagine, this is uh, quite an effort to do just for MakerDAO. And this was necessary in the beginning, again, because MakerDAO has had this pioneering role. I mentioned the oracles that were very unique to Maker in the beginning. I mentioned Risk Team, which has built a number of uh, very sophisticated risk tools and new protocols starting up today, they would typically look in the market for um, suppliers that could offer these things. But Maker had to do them in-house in because it, it had such a pioneering role. And so for operations too, this infrastructure that we're building, we are playing this pioneering role, but uh, at the same time, Maker is looking to make these tools more general purpose and available for other DAOs to work with as well. And so this uh, is already happening for the oracles and the risk tools that uh, the core units built. And we will do this for the operational dashboard as well. So these operational tools, they will be made available for not just MakerDAO, but other DAOs to work with. And um, one last thing I want to mention is um, that with this opening up of the tool set and making it available for other DAOs, that we would like to look into not just communication within a single DAO, but also between DAOs and work more with the industry to develop standards of reporting, such as uh, the kind of reporting that you see on the dashboard. Make sure that within the industry, there is a shared understanding of these concepts and that we can start developing these standards that would allow us to compare DAOs between each other, for example, and move outside of the context of a single DAO. So uh, as you can hear, there's a lot of uh, work still ahead of us and very excited to keep building on this. Definitely super exciting stuff coming. And thank you so much, Wouter, for this incredibly comprehensive overview of the Maker, well, MakerDAO and the Maker Expense dashboard as well. Yes, thanks uh, very much for having me. And um, yeah, looking forward to continue the conversation.